Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 21 91. To Steve Devine, the Blues reignited their blistering offence on Friday night against the Rebels, running 11 tries to take the Melbourne side to the cleaners. The Auckland side are well and firmly in the driver's seat as we approach the playoffs, so we thought, We'll give a little bit of love to the Blues, and I'll eat my hat and recap with <laughs> Steve Devine. How good was that, Steve? Mate, it was pretty. It was pretty special, right? Uh, they needed. They needed to put someone to the sword, and yeah, they did it. They did a pretty good job of it. They did. They did. Ahead, uh, obviously, Bowden Barrett having a week off. They gave Stephen Petalfetta the reins, who I think has been one of the finds of the year. He's playing with so much confidence and a lot of direction, uh, doing everything right. But I think the talking point has got to be. The man at the centre of everyone's conversations, Rico Iwani. I've spoken about on air. I don't know if, if centre's his position, but every week he's proved me wrong, and he is the centre of the season, and he is making us a real statement for that centre jersey. Mate, you must be impressed with him. Yeah, I've, yeah. Him and him and everyone else. His brother didn't go too bad either. So um, I, I don't know. The Blues this year, they've, they've they've showed so much potential all year in little snippets. You know, they play good footy for thirty minutes, forty minutes, and then sort of take their foot off. But um, yeah, they, I think they just needed to prove themselves across the board, across the whole team. That you know, if they stick to it and play the footy they want to play, which is which is fast, high pace, high comp- tempo footy, then they they actually they go pretty good at it, and it's pretty hard for most teams to keep up. So. Uh, very, very good to see. Rico was was sensational, mate. He's always been a super athlete, right? He's big, he's strong, he's fast. So you know, in that centre position, if he can get himself a little bit of space, he's always going to find find the try line. So yeah, mate, it was it was pretty special. Um, it, it had been a while since we've seen a big win and and, and put someone away, but you know, hopefully, um, you know, they've got a couple of big games in the next two weeks. Will be uh, pretty uh, pretty telling about who ends up with possibly a, a home final, which makes a big difference. Yeah, Steve, they're making they're making a statement. They've been making statements every week, I think, um, against sides. And I ended up watching the game on the weekend. I was really impressed with the school level of the Blues. What what is what is the difference like this year compared to others? I know Don McKinnon's come in there as C, um, is it CEO or chairman of the of the club. What what is the has there been a shift in the back rooms or is it or is it just all around the coaching? Um, mate, well, there's all. They've, all, they've always had a young team, right? Uh, I know Andrew Hall's the CEO in there. I know he's made some big changes, but they've always just been a young team. And I, I think for the first time, some of those young players are now, like even Dalton, 
the captain. He's he's had fifty games. Once you start to get to that fifty games, you start to understand. You start to understand everything a little bit better. So uh, some of the young kids. Um, I mean, Bowden Barrett's been huge. Just you just tell when he's on the field that there's just everyone's calmer. There's just you know everyone's taking a breath and understanding what they're doing a little bit better. Just when just by his presence out there. Um, sometimes you can see you know the you know the. Everyone gets a bit nervous, and he, he just—you just know that he's keeping everyone calm and keep on script team. And you know, we do what we do. I—I I mean, I, I see possibly Joe Smith. Uh, he's back in the coaching staff. He's influenced. Just—I see that Northern Hemisphere uh, ruck now, where we get really, really quick ball, and we get constantly quick ball when we and we can play over the advantage line. And that, in rugby, that's huge. If you can, if you can guarantee your own ruck ball and know that you're going to go for multiple phases then then you, you get these um roll-ons you know you just you get the, the confidence up you get the quick ball it gets quicker and, it, and you get over the line further and it, things just get a whole lot easier when you're over the advantage line in rugby yeah and, and, and that for me that's that's the difference this year they just they've got better oh, quick ruck ball of course yeah and that's that's what i was getting to no time you've got joe smith coming in there's no wonder he's joined the all black uh makeup roger do your thoughts, Steve, on, on you know, oh. we talk a lot about uh, Rico, but is, you know, his form down to, you know, you've got Bowden at, at 10, um, Portofeta, who's playing really well, but what about Roger? What's your thoughts on that? Yep, absolute class. He's a class act. Um, you know, in the big games, it's the no mistakes, right? And I haven't seen any mistakes from him for, for weeks now. So, Mate, he, he he's a class act, but from from what I understanding of a few of the players is that what his involvement at training, his his level of professionalism has really brought um, particularly a few of the younger boys on, like really made the younger boys concentrate on what they're doing. I know Caleb Clark's a big fan, and you know they, they, his professionalism at training has, has changed uh, the way they do things. And there's always people now doing the extras and doing the hard yards because he's such a hard hard worker. And, uh, yeah, my understanding is that he's brought that to the team that, you know, we need to do a little bit more. We need to do it a little bit better uh, at training. Yeah, it's all the same thing with um, Sonny Bill Williams. It's a league mentality. They just work extremely hard, working hard for each other. Obviously, the shuttles that they have to constantly run. So he's obviously having a big uh, impact on the players around him. Mate, quickly, as a fellow nine, Finlay Christie, has he been ticking all the mate, right things for you and, and, and having some fantastic form for the Blues as well? Has he made himself back in that real contentious spot, which is the number nine for the All Blacks? Oh, mate, I've been saying it for weeks now. I think he's the number one in the country by a long way. Um, no, one, no one else is getting the quick ball he's getting. Um, you know, he gets, it, he gets it into the 10's hand fast and he gives the outside backs like like Rico time and, and that blues outside backs we normally with Pettifera at, at fullback they just seem to have endless amount of time and, and that's the difference between uh, scoring tries a lot of the time and not scoring tries so um, yeah for me he's, he makes the tackles he he yeah. gets the ball out he yeah, does his job he can kick I, I, I look at uh, Aaron Smith and I, I mate right now I can't see how Aaron Smith informs him to be fair it's interesting coming from a uh, from a past number nine and uh, a true blues man as well. So um, we'll see what happens when the All Blacks name their team, mate. Just for me, what's what's the bogey team? What's the problem that uh, can cause the Blues uh, all sorts of problems when they come into the finals? Um, that you think, or are they just going to roll through the finals on the front foot? Well, I, I hope they roll through the finals. I mean, the, <laughs> I, I think the competition, the competition will probably see the Blues and want the Crusaders, Blues Crusaders final. I think, I think that'll be a big one. And I think, 
you know, as much as it'll be hard to say and how hard that game will be because, you know, the Crusaders, they got beat a few weeks ago and you know what that does to their mentality. They'll, they'll be up for it even more so if they come against the Blues again. But I think that Blues-Crusaders, it's always been the team that, um, you know, goes way back into the start of the comp, uh, 90, 98, was it, when... Uh, Crusaders beat them at Eden Park. You know, they've been pretty much unbeaten for three years. So, I, I, mate, I think that'll be the big one. I think um, I know they, the Blues beat them down there a couple of weeks ago, but mm. I, I really think that'll that'll be the defining moment of this team if they can get a final there and get a win against the Crusaders team. I think I think that'll be pretty good. The Brumbies will be pretty hard to beat at home. They've proven that. Um, mm. You know, I don't think they're on level of the Blues, but what they are is they're, they're, they're very good at not making mistakes and they're very clinical. So, yeah, can we, can um, we take them seriously, Steve? The Brumbies? Like, obviously, yeah, they performance I, against the Chiefs. Mate, they've, just, they've got that UK mentality, right? They've got a big forward pack, a big strong forward pack that's really good at set-piece and the, the rest of the team, they'll just buy their time, get in your 22 and, and look for those line-outs and their backs are starting to play a little bit off, off the back of dominant forward packs. Um, I just think we've allowed... Their full pack to be a little bit dominant. The, the three um, New Zealand teams the last few weeks, um, you know, they, they've earned the respect. They've won some games and they've won away from home. So, I, I, yeah, they, do you have to take them seriously? Absolutely, you do. But, you know, I think finals footy, um, you know, the razzle dazzle sort of gets put away a little bit. Everything gets a little bit more clinical, and I, I think the full pack would just be too big and strong for them. All right, mate. All right, mate. As a fellow. Auckland Blues, man, you've been there, you've been a part of the team when they've won it. Can the Blues win the whole thing, and what will that mean? Oh, mate, I, 100% do I think they can win it. I just, I think they just need to believe that they can win it. I know that Crusaders win was big, and the last few weeks I've just wanted them to really pull, put a team away, you know, just to get that belief that, you know, we can put 70 points on a team when we play for 80 minutes. They've played well in patches, but yeah, I just think on Saturday they played. They all they were good for a good eighty minutes. You know, the first the first three minutes wasn't great, but they, they you know they got their composure back and they and they got they got into their job. Can they win it? hundred percent, they can win it. You know, they just need to believe and and they, the game of footy they want to play that high tempo, high fight, high pace game. You know, if if they do it for eighty minutes, I, I don't think anyone can stop them. Good stuff, Steve. Thanks very much for coming on this morning, mate. Yeah. Bright and early and interrupting that beauty sleep that I know you need so much of. <laughs> Mate, you wouldn't believe how much beauty sleep I need after last weekend. <laughs> Good stuff. Steve Devine with us, uh, of course, uh, co-host of uh, Blues Brothers, our uh, Blues rugby show here, 7.30 on a Wednesday night. And uh, keep your texts coming through, double eight double three the Temper Bedpost text machine, or call us on the Kennards Hire phone line, 0800 150 811. What did you make of Steve's call that Finlay Christie is the number one halfback in the country and is well ahead of Aaron Smith. We want to hear from you. We'll talk about that next here on Baz and Izzy for breakfast. Call us as I mentioned any time on our Kennards Hire phone line 0800 150 811 and Joe from Gizzy has done just that. Joe, you're not interested in talking about Finlay Christie or Aaron Smith. You want to talk Warriors. Mate, never mind that rugby stuff for this morning, boys. Come on. Let's, <laughs> let's take this Warriors part of, uh, side apart again, Kempe. No desire, mate. Yep. Absolutely no hunger, right, from Johnson to grab that game by the scruff of the neck, drive us up the middle, roll right through them, right, at any time did he put his hand up and own that team, Kempe. Not once last night. No, look, uh, he wasn't mentioned in, in any of the articles too. Like, there's a couple of times defensively that he, you know, the, the one where the back row, Cronulla back row went 
uh, straight through him and him and Barry was really disappointing. But you know, if there was a game, uh, Joe, that that Sean really wanted to shine, and it was against Cronulla. You know, why why'd you let me go? Uh, you know, he, he, he everyone knows he wanted to stay there, and then he goes and puts that performance in. So, where do you think they need to to, to go to from here? Because the last three weeks, I think, have been pretty ordinary. Not just not just the game yesterday. But I think the Warriors should bring up the New Zealand uh, Warriors women's team. Let's run them out next week to show them what some heart and what unpaid, you know, part-time professionals can do. I think these boys, I don't know what they... You look at that game again last night. Not once was Walsh in the pitcher sweeping behind the line when we had the overlap for the tries they scored out wide. He wasn't even in one half of the post on one side, Kempe. And I'm thinking, why are we jamming in at the two-man, the three-man, with the winger and the, and the inside centre with Berry and Zelezniak, and they score in the corners, but we've got the overlap. Why are we panicking? So I'm thinking, you're right, fire the defensive coach. I don't even know if we've got a defensive coach, mate. You know, let's be honest. Let's get a kicking coach in there and show Johnson how to put in kicks behind the line so we can get repeat six of six. And then I saw the interview with Lodgy after the game, and he was filthy. Why are they premeditating their substitutes? Uh, as you're talking about that, you know, in the All Blacks, they used to go, oh, yeah, 55 minutes, 60 minutes, let's take off one player, let's bring on another player. You know, we've got 25 players in our squad. We've got to play everybody. Let, let, let's leave them there. Let's see if we can go 35 minutes with a man up instead of taking them off at the 27-minute mark every week. And then why wait till there's 22 minutes left to bring them both back? We've got no punch in the middle, and we're a man up. Ramian gets binned. Not once did we go down that left side once when we had the ball. We went to the right side. We've got a man over there, and they've got no fullback. Oh. Yeah, they look like stunned possums in the headlights. Honestly, I was thinking the same thing. Sean Johnson was just a little bit off. He wasn't really, like, especially when they were on their line and he was on the left-hand side, he swung around, swung around to the right-hand side, put that horrible grubber in, and they swooped it up. It's like he was probably just trying too much, wasn't on the on the right page, and, man, they were they were pretty poor, let's be honest. Yeah, that, is he, that effort last night, defensively, okay, you think of it logically as a defensive coach. The first message that goes out there when they're down to 12 is don't panic, all right? Mm. You've, got a, you've got a player over, all right? When they go down to 11, you say, I told you, don't panic. You know what I mean? Mm. They should never have gone to the edges and gone through so easy. So Joe, when he's making those comments around what happened on the edges, hell yeah, it ain't been happening just yesterday. It's been happening mm. all year. So there's panic from the centres, there's panic from the from the wingers, that, and they get they do get told to jam, and if one goes in, the other one has to follow. But where yep. is the panic happening? And for me, it's happening at three and in the defensive line, which is where the halfbacks stand. You don't have that problem when CHT is out there, okay? They named mm. they named uh, the back row, the centre, and the winger on the right edge. They left Sean out. And if you go back and you review that that footage, oh, the first two tries that Cronulla scored were through Sean. Okay, the, the defensive decisions that he made, I thought were a little bit light. Um, but the biggest problem they got is they're, they're panicking in their defence. Like they shoot, they shoot, and yesterday, I don't know what they're going to say to them, but they never had the overlap because they only had 11 men on at one stage. But oh, even no. at 12 men, they should have never, ever got to the outside. Uh, got it. So, so my, sorry, you go. I was going to say, just uh, on the temperature post-text machine, uh, we have had one uh, through uh, St. Morena, lads. Uh, Kempe for defensive coach. My feelings on the Warriors. It was time for SJ to shine, especially after the Kennedy send-off, and he was nowhere to be found. He should be dropped this weekend if uh, Chanel Harris-Tavita is back. Our forwards and parts of the game were giving us great platform for the, bro- uh, for the backs to run off, and they didn't. 
Yeah, no, thank, thank, sorry for that. Um, mate, that's a great great point from Richie, our man. He's um, obviously uh, got a valid point, and you're touching on every week, um, Kempi with SJ. Uh, look, I think, honestly, I've, I've, I've been a fan of him, but the last couple of weeks, he just, the direction, the, the kind of leadership that we want from our senior player, a guy that's played over 250 games of NRL, like, no mug can do that. He's obviously got the experience, but just last night, when the team really needed him, you know, when you're up against a team and you got them on the on the back foot, and you really need to start building pressure and putting pressure, 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 and you'll break them. Last night they had opportunities to do that with that grubber kick that went dead. Um, you know, the kicks that went too long, just easy outs, giving the opposition set seven tackles to get back down the other end, and then they score off it, mate. Like just everything when, when they were attacking against eleven men. And obviously what, what that does to the defensive line, it congests the defensive line, so it brings them tighter. The space is obvious, so it's obviously wide. So, play, you know, you get taught this when you're at, um, at kindergarten. You know, the, obviously the space is wide. You don't throw a big wide pass, a big recovery pass, they call it, so the opposition can recover and get off to the wing. You've actually got to stay committed. You've got to go through the hands. You've got to run good, solid running lines. You've got to commit that defender so that the space is maintained on the outside. And on the weekend, mate, even high school kids could have done what they did. When mm. they threw that big wide pass, this is Watson, he's a Lesniak, and he steps off the right, and he comes back and throws offload, and then, oh, no, the ball's on the ground. They're all standing there and go, oh, who's going to jump on it? And then one of the Sharks boys jumps on it, and they turn it over. I was sitting on the plane next to this pundit, and he was just like, had his hand in his, in his head, and he was like, what is this? <laughs> what are we just witnessing? It was, mate, honestly... It was crazy things to see, Rick. It was, it was, and uh, I tell you what, this is blowing up the text line. Temper bedpost text machine double eight double three. Get uh, keen to get your thoughts on this one, boys. Uh, this is from Gary, bros. It's no coincidence. Johnson is the invisible man. He must retire today. Absolutely useless. Oh, that's like yeah. If he retires, I just don't think they have the the player to, to fill the spot. You know what I mean? Nicodemus gone. Mm. CHC's down. He hasn't got a contract for next year. Johnson, I look, I personally, I don't think he plays another year. I think this is the year um, for Sean, given the given the way that he's playing. And But who do they replace him with? Like, no one's talking about the kid that came in last week. He was, he was a world beater last week. I actually think he's a centre. I actually think the kid playing mm. in the six years is a centre. Um, but that, that's that's my thought. But like I was saying to you last night, Izzy, it's, it's so similar to rugby union. If you're flankers and you're number nine, you're number 10, and your fullback aren't working really well together, then, and, and then your team's going to go pretty average. And the same thing, mm. if you're spying, your nine, your seven, your six, and your one aren't working together, you're going to go pretty average. They should have taken Cronulla to the cleaners when they lost that man. They should have stuck to, this, to the system and gone through them. Not around them. He made a valid point. He made a valid point, old Joe from Gizzy, about Reese Walsh because obviously the 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 role of the fullback is he's the eyes for the players in front of him. He's obviously doing the counting where the mismatches are. He's sorting out the numbers on the left side, the right side, and obviously he wasn't doing that job. So Joe from Gizzy's hit a nail on the head right then and there about where was Reese Walsh and his organisation out on the field for a team that has eleven players to get the overlap and score in the corner. I was just mind-blown, and it just makes sense now. Former Kiwis captain joins us now. Uh, good morning, Richie. How are you doing? Yeah, good, thanks. Very good, very good. And, uh, of course, uh, not only what you're you bringing to the show, but what you might bring to uh, that Warriors D-line as well, <laughs> mate. How much of a mess was that last night? Oh, 
it was um, it was painful to watch, to be honest. Um, the whole mm. game was um, a struggle. Not for me. I'm pretty happy because the Sharks won. But yeah, the um, yeah. inexperience uh, definitely on the edges were exposed, and that you know, with their first try from Nico Hines uh, just highlighted the, the inexperience around Asien Vailia. Um, making the decisions or the poor decisions to, to, to be brought in. And, yeah, so these, these, there was a whole lot of raft of, I think, uh, issues in that game that needs to be, you know, exploited. Hey, Richie, Izzy here, mate. Great to have you on the show. Uh, mate, from uh, your experiences at the back, the edge, the edge defence, what, what is the main cause for those players? Is it them being coached in a situation where, they're not getting the numbers right. They're going to have to shoot in and jam in. Or is it a situation of, of Reese Walsh at the back not numbering right, getting the players to the to get into positions where they're actually matching the opposition figures? Like, for your experiences, what do you think that comes down to? Hey, Izzy, yeah. Um, <clears throat> there's a lot around communication. Um, and, and there's always, mm. obviously, when you're throwing lead runners and you have to, you have to stay in line and then the split decision to, to, to be made and if your body's drawn in you're naturally going to go in uh, and that's a, mm. it's an issue in itself but a lot of a lot of it's around communication talking to the guy next year identifying who you got and you've got cover for people to do it because you, you're gonna because they throw so much at you now um, you are going to yeah. make some poor decisions but you always got to have someone to cover around to um, to as cover scramble defense but um, yeah it's all about experience it's all about communication. Is it is it a certain about is it the body shape as well? I feel like with the league players, most of their bodies are leaning in, so they're pretty much taking themselves out of the game for their ability. Once that lead runners runners miss to push off, is that a simple case of their body shape too far in? Yeah, it depends what their 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 defensive structures are, um, how they how they've done that, and what what that looks like. But yes, naturally the. The poor decision is to turn your body in, then you're gone, really. Yeah. Um, if you can yeah. stay straight on, um, it helps to then slide off because it is that split decision where you have to stay on that lead runner until that the lead yeah. runner's passed and they're pointing our return. Then you can slide out, and then it's up to the decision between you and this, the centre and the and the winger to make the decision. If someone comes in, then the other person has to come off to shut 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 down. So. It, it's a sequential thing where you work in unison, but sometimes at some point uh, that fear when you when you're in in the line and you want to make it, you want to get up quicker than than the insides, and then that's the fault as well. Yeah, Richie, it's Kippy, mate. Hey, I, I think they they get themselves out of shape straight away. Like their hips are always facing in towards the ruck, which means that they're ruck watching yep. and they're not actually watching what's in front of them. Mate, what, uh, what do you, where do you see the changes that have to be made? We know the centres are young. We know the wingers keep interchanging. The spine, we just can't settle on. It's changing every single week. Where do you think the Warriors need to make a change this week against the Rabbitohs to get things back on track? You know, when I looked at when I looked at that whole game, I, I was actually there, there was an opportunity, and like to be honest, they had forty sets compared to thirty-two sets, right? So there's a an exhaustion phase there. Um, mm. Sean Johnson didn't manage the game by the scruff of the neck, to be honest. Um, he mm. Nico Hines just basically took over. You know, yeah, yeah. he dictated terms. He turned those opportunities into three repeat sets. Uh, he built the pressure. And unfortunately, the Warriors couldn't do it. There were so many times when the game needed Sean to kick in the end goal to have a repeat set. And if they could get one or two, 
the game changes, in my opinion. Uh, but unfortunately, at those pivotal times when he kicked dead a couple of times, he kicked a poor ball up in the air, and it just was just a no-kick zone. Um, so he, you know, that, that, that changes everything because it was all about the fatigue in that game. And if they were able to build pressure, I think there's a different game altogether. Nico Hines comes from fullback, goes into this, to the halves, dictates terms. They had even Brady, uh, Brady come back from hooker into the half. So they had to adjust a lot, heck of a lot of players around, but still they managed to win a game with 11 players. So are we making excuses or are we looking at, uh, looking at the Warriors and saying that was an opportunity for them to secure that game? You know, and, uh, down and out Cronulla Sharks who were vying to get into the top eight and the, and the, 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 <clears throat> the Warriors, but they couldn't seal it. Game yeah. management was part of it. And when you talk about the inexperience of players, to be honest, that shit happens <laughs> in games where there's inexperience in a lot. But, you know, when you've got Finucane and you've got McInnes, those real stoic players who start to breed that in, 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 a, in an organisation, then there is only one way that team's going to go. You know, you, you know Fitzy very well, the coach. You know, he, he demands that type of resilience. Um, he's been in a culture like that and it just rips through the organisation. I just want to, yeah, I want to applaud Fitzgibbons there, um, uh, Richie, because obviously during the week they've dealt with a lot. When I was playing, there was always situations for what ifs, what if moments. You know, if you lose your fullback, they're going to have a situation when Nico Hines goes to the back, and so you, a lot of your, your applauders used to go to the coaching staff and what he's been able to do, Fitzgibbons, and then on the other side, Nathan Brown, not really understanding, you know, what to do when those moments when you're facing eleven players. How do we play, boys? What kind of style of rugby, uh, rugby league, do we need to play to commit these defenders? Um, so yeah, polar opposites really from from both teams, Kimpy. Yeah, Richie. Just on that, um, talking about Sean's Sean's leadership, obviously is one. I, we we don't know what we need to do to get that. I I want to know what you think, no. yeah, mate. Well, he's a two hundred and fifty game NRL player. You know what I mean? So yeah. I'm I'm as I'm as dumbfounded as anyone to try and get the best out of him. But you strike a really good question here all right, around the the demands that Fitzy has in and around Fanukan uh, and McInnes. What yep. does Brownie need to do, mate, to get Sean Johnson and the rest of the players apart from their middle two, Hodges and Fanua um, Blake, because they're the only two that are showing up every week, to perform? Yeah, and I, I think there's a, there's a balance between playing eyes up football, which Cronulla did, and the, I think um, the Warriors couldn't couldn't really play. I mean, there's I think the I think Cronulla had something like 16 offloads, which changes the game again, you know, with the ability to fatigue a, a team out of the game. But they, they've got more tackle breaks and, and more yardage than um, the Warriors by far. In fact, you know, they're the fewest uh, tackle busts in the competition and, and their line breaks are, are probably second worst in the competition. So I think they need to play as they see it. You know, they need to shift that ball a little bit wider because when they're in that mode, when they play, start to play out a bit, bit more football, a bit of conference football, a bit of um, eyes-up football, I think they're really, really dangerous. But I think they're getting sucked into playing that one-out football, as we probably saw yesterday. And that's not the game you play against teams anymore. It's just you've got to be a well-balanced side now. You've got to, everyone's got to have their eyes up and, and call the ball. You know, it's not only from the six and seven. 
you've got to be calling it from the outside backs. And, and then there's a heck of a lot of inexperience in that team as well. Um, to, but, but on a positive note, I thought Reese played extremely well too. You know, I thought I thought he came up with some real good big plays. You know, that first ball out to Watini, his neck was fantastic. His ability to rush off Lodge when he popped off that ball and he created that opportunity and he flicked that ball outside. That was freaking positive football, you know. But unfortunately, it's all about game management. It's all about players looking at themselves and finding out what needs to be done and then just play confident football. Forget what's happened now. Just go out and play football, you know. And then it's up to those players, the senior players. And I know it keeps coming back to that leadership stuff that we've always said. Are they leaders? I'm looking from the outside in. Is this really what we you would suggest a top five, top eight team with leadership qualities? I don't know. It's questionable. I'd have to admit. Yep. Yeah, no, the answer for me is no, Richie. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 17 past eight here on Baz and Izzy for breakfast. Richie Barnett, former Shark and Kiwis captain with us as well. Richie, we had a text through earlier uh, from Gary saying that Sean Johnson didn't want to tackle and couldn't score points or lead a team to score points against 11 men. He needs to retire. I know that's strong words, but where are you on Sean Johnson right now? You know what? When he came in, and I thought, yes, all we need is someone with patience. His kicking game can be brutally good, right? His long Mm. kicking game is fantastic. Short kicking game has always been fantastic. Those first early games that he played, he was just on the dime, kicking in the corners. But today, he failed miserably for all the experience that we know with Sean Johnson. The harsh reality is that was a low standard performance from someone of that experience. And when you look to your your gun players and your senior players in critical positions, they need to stand up. There's no players like Jonathan Thurston or the likes of Cooper Cronk would never, ever allow that sort of style of play to happen in a game that really matters. That game could be a a season changer, I believe, because that was an opportunity to seal two points against a side that they have failed to to beat over the last 10 games, you know, eight from 10, I think, in the last 10, yeah, 10 games. You know, they've struggled at Shark Park. I have indeed. Good stuff, Richie. Thanks very much for coming on and giving us some time this morning. Always good to chat. No worries. Cheers, mate. Cheers. Uh, Richie Barnett Go there with us on uh, Talking About Warriors. Uh, we want to hear from you too. The Temper Bedpost text machine is blowing up. Eight, double eight, double three. Want to hear from you on the Kennard Tire phone line as well. 0800 150 811. You're listening to Baz and Izzy for breakfast. Thanks to Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. The Temper Bedpost text machine is double eight, double three. Blowing up at the moment on the Warriors. We'll get to some of those shortly, but time to talk football now with Harry Simeo from Talk Sport. Uh, g'day, Harry. How you doing? I'm good, guys. How are you? Yeah, good, thanks, mate. Good. Yeah, has. Uh, big, big win this morning for Manchester City. 5-0 at home against Newcastle, a game that some might have seen as a, as a potential banana skin, uh, but they managed to get it done after uh, pretty comfortably after Liverpool dropped points yesterday. Yeah, for sure. It, there was a lot of pressure on Manchester City today because of the way that they uh, were dumped out of the Champions League in dramatic fashion by Real Madrid earlier on in the week. And obviously Liverpool, as you mentioned, dropping points against Tottenham. It just left the door open for Manchester City to extend that lead further to four points going into the uh, last few games of the season. So big opportunity. And I think everybody was looking at Pep Guardiola's side to work out or or to try and suss out how they were going to react to what must have been a heart-wrenching defeat just a few days ago. Uh, But they responded in the way that Manchester City do. They were brilliant from start to finish. Um, silky in their passing as always and 
and very clinical in front of goal. And, and there you have it, a 5-0 victory over a very good Newcastle United side. And Liverpool, has great to have you on the show, mate. Is he here? Liverpool, obviously they're after the quad. Maybe the quad's out of the picture now, so they've got the, the triple with the Carabao Cup, the FA Cup, and maybe the Champions League final. You think um, they, they got chances to take those three and, and four? Maybe the EPL's a bit too far gone, a bit too far stretched right now? It feels like the, the EPL was always going to be the hardest one for them to get, mm. uh, just because of who stands in their way, Manchester City. And, um, and of course, the result yesterday from Liverpool really damaged their chances of, of winning the Premier League title. But, as you say, they're in the FA Cup final against Chelsea, who you'd fancy them against. Uh, obviously, they're in the Champions League final against Real Madrid, and they've already won the Carabao Cup. But Liverpool, for me, is you were really, really disappointing yesterday against Tottenham. Um, obviously, being an Arsenal man, I was rooting for Liverpool yesterday. <laughs> and I just felt that, that Tottenham got their game plan against them absolutely spot on. And Liverpool almost played into their hands. There was a lot of aimless crosses into the penalty area. There wasn't much invention and many ideas in terms of how they were going to break down a very deep-lying Antonio Conte defence. And, um, and it, was, it was frustrating to watch, even as someone who doesn't support Liverpool. So... I think it was a disappointing evening for them at Anfield, and I thought they were actually fortunate, given the way the goal went in, to have um, to have got a point. Yeah, Harry, I was saying that Liverpool, we're talking about what which which title would they like. I was saying they'd actually like all of them. Um, consolation for Man City, I guess, after being knocked out by Real Madrid last week. Just on the, just going to tack left here, just on the Chelsea takeover, um, I read a little bit about that, yeah. about the American takeover last week. Are you up, up to speed on that? That's That isn't the... Um, like Lewis Hamilton, Serena Williams, but is it, or is it something totally different? No, this is the this is the bid um, that's headed up by Todd Bowley, um, who's an American businessman, um, and and I, oh, I apologise, I forget oh, L.A. Dodgers. That's it. He's right. um, he's yep. the head of the L.A. Dodgers over in the state. He's the one that's in pole position, and he's the one that's agreed a deal, a deal, sorry, with Chelsea Football Club um, for that for that sort of transaction to take place. We think that it could happen by the end of this month. Uh, but as we've heard before, with this, with this thing, there is so much potential for snags and a deal. And there are so many bumps in the road. So we, we assume mm. that Todd Bowley is going to take over. He was at the game at Stamford Bridge this weekend, which is, uh, was another telltale sign. Um, but obviously, there's still a lot that could go wrong in this. But it looks as though he's the man that's going to get his hands on the club. Hey, uh, here's we're just going to let you go, mate. I just couldn't believe what I was seeing when I when I seen this. But four nil against Brighton for Man U. And Ricardo's a Man U fan as well, and and I just like <laughs> Brighton. What's going? Like honestly, mate. Brighton. We, we, we were on the beach, literally and figuratively. <laughs> we're in. We're on the south coast. We thought, why not? We'll take our shoes off, go for a paddle. That's what happened. Oh, yeah. That was just that was so indicative of Manchester United season. Players not interested. A big disconnect between the man in the dugout and, and the players out on the pitch. Oh. Um, and just lacking in quality, lacking in application more than anything. And um, uh, Manchester United fans that I talk to and work with uh, are forever telling me that they just want this season to be over. And I think you could see that yesterday. Yeah, Harry, um, uh, just before I let you go, mate, you did uh, you did say you know, you're know you an Arsenal fan. Uh, well, it's all on the line, isn't it? I think it's Thursday your time, Friday morning New Zealand time. The North London derby, I mean, it, it'll feel like a cup final because, you know, if one of the teams wins this, they probably get fourth in Champions League next year. Yeah, for sure. Um, 
Arsenal are in pole position now. They've opened up a four-point lead over Tottenham. And if we, Arsenal can go to Tottenham and avoid defeat on Thursday night, you'd feel like they're, they're the ones that are going to take it. What's interesting as well, and I'll be at Tottenham Stadium on Thursday night, is that if Arsenal win there, they wrap it up there and then at their stadium, which is, uh, would be an incredible feeling. But it's not going to be easy. Um, Arsenal really needed to win today got that victory, but it was a little bit nervy at the end. You could feel that inside the stadium that, you know, it wasn't as free-flowing as we'd have liked in the second half, and it was a bit of a struggle to get over the line. But Arsenal did it and, and are now in pole position. And a, a Champions League qualification would just really accelerate the rebuild that's going on at Arsenal, so it's key that we get it. Yeah, indeed. All right, mate. Well, hey, listen, best yeah. of luck for, for midweek, and thanks very much for carry, uh, coming on this morning, Harry. It's always good to chat. Thanks, guys. Always a pleasure. Go well. Care. Yeah, Harry yeah, Simeo from uh, Talk Sport there with us. Hey, Rick. Yeah. Do you, do you reckon Man you could get the same architect as Arsenal? <laughs> the same architect? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, rebuilding. And oh, yeah. <laughs> I feel like an architect's building a bit of a leaky home at the moment. Oh, mate, I know. I'll tell you about it. I tell you, I, I don't know what, uh, what's going on there, mate. But uh, we've got Eric Tenhag, the Ajax coach, coming in next season. Uh, as uh, somebody mm. I saw on, on Twitter said, it's great they've made an appointment but is ten hugs going to be enough, or do they need more? Um, we'll have to see. We'll have to see how that one Bring plays out. Bring back Ferguson, mate. Bring back Fergie. Yeah, could be the go. <laughs> From CBC and BJPen.com is Cole Shelton to talk some UFC. G'day, Cole. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? Yeah, good. Thanks, buddy. Awesome to have you on, Cole. Hey, um, quickly, I'm just reading. Obviously, the big event last night with Oliveira getting the, the win, the Bronx, the man getting the submission over Justin Geith. Uh, mate... Just reading something from Dana White, potentially that the scales would have been altered with before the fight. What do you reckon? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's pretty weird. So a lot of fighters kind of came out and said the scale that they weigh in at the hotel was a pound over than the official one. So a lot of them thought they were on weight. They get down to the official one and find out they're overweight. And then they have to go back to start cutting weight. And that's kind of what happened to Oliver. He tweeted Thursday night. Uh, saying I'm on weight and then Friday morning he comes and he's overweight and then he just couldn't make the weight and then he loses title like that. What does this do? What does this do for, for Charles? Is, is like Obviously he's lost it, but now he's obviously won the fight. Will there be a rematch with Justin Gee? I think the plan is probably to just be one half of a title fight. Dana White came out and said Oliveira is going to get the next shot. It's not really sure who's there. Like Islam could get it. There's always Conor McGregor, even though he's on a losing streak. Like he's still the biggest name in the sport. Anytime he's fighting for a title, makes a lot of money. So, yeah, that's the thing. I mean, if you go through and look, I mean, Michael Chandler's lost to Oliveira recently. So's Gaethje. So's Poirier. Uh, so it is. It's got to be Islam Makachev or. Knowing how Dana White operates, you go ka-ching, ka-ching, Let's bring the Irishman back because uh, that always gets eyes on eyes on pay per views, right? Yeah, and that's especially if you get McGregor for the bell, that's as big as you can get. And and if McGregor somehow becomes a champ again, then you're in for another couple more big ones for the UFC. Yeah, talk about big ones. What about the 50K that went to Chandler for that head kick? Yeah, that was insane. That's one of the best knockouts I've ever seen. Like to do that to Ferguson, who's as durable as they come. Like Ferguson does not get put out like that. And to have him get slept is pretty crazy to see.
He, he kicked those. He kicked those shades right off those eyes. Um, <laughs> oh yeah. Hey, hey, Cole. I just want to ask. We had a we had a Kiwi fighting in the undercard. Her name's Jenna Fabian. She beat the she beat next champ. What are your What are your thoughts on Jenna Fabian? Yeah, she did good in PFL. She put a big upset, and uh, she's obviously in tough division with Kayla Harrison at the top. But she's kind of pulled off that big upset. Everyone kind of thought Julia Budd was going to be the person fighting Kayla Harrison in the main or for the belt. So. To do that to Bud, who's a Bellator, for Bellator champion, kind of fought who the who's who, to do that is very impressive. And what about the the undercard? Rose Namajunas losing against Carla Espianza. Was that an upset? Yeah, from terms of the betting odds, like Namajunas was a big favorite. It was a rematch, and mm. just the fight was... It didn't really play. Neither girl really wanted to throw much. I think like the first round, they both landed three strikes, and that's kind of how the whole fight went. They were both kind of not willing to engage. And then when you go five rounds in the fights like that, it's kind of hard to determine who really won. Yeah, that was that was the thing. I noticed with Joe Rogan afterwards, you know, when he interviewed Carla Esparza, he's like, um, "If I'm a judge, I don't know how to judge that because nothing happened." <laughs> like it was it was great that he actually asked that question. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, the judges had a hard one in that time because if, like, only two or three strikes getting thrown, like, it's just kind of picking a name out of Hatta who wins the round. All right. I'm not going to look way ahead, way ahead, because obviously it's just been announced. Israel Atosanya up against Jared Cannonier. Fireworks. And then you got Volkanovsky up against Max Holloway. Big card coming up after 275. USC 276. Cannonier. Can he upset? I think the only way someone beats Adesanya in middle eight is if they catch him and put him out. Mm. Cannonier has legit, <clears throat> he has legit knockout power. I just think Adesanya is way too technical for him. It's going to be a striking fight, and in a striking fight, I don't really see many people having much of a shot against Adesanya. Good stuff, Cole. Thanks very much for coming on, giving us some time, bro. Go well, and we'll talk to you again soon on some UFC. I looking forward to that Adesanya Cannonier fight. Should be a goodie. Yeah, thank you again. Yeah, go well. Cole Shelton there from BJPen.com and CBC talking UFC with us. Uh, keep your texts coming through on double eight double three, the Temper Bed Post text machine, or you can call us on the Kennards Higher phone line, 0800 150 811. Uh, this is actually a really good point, gentlemen. Uh, keen to get your thoughts on this. Um, how come Sean Johnson was allowed to come back for a wedding last week? It showed in his game. He no longer wants to be playing. He's only there to collect a pay packet. Yeah, I've seen that on um, on social media. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know you have to ask the Warriors and you have to ask Sean Johnson. I guess the telling factor of that, if you get, you know, you're obviously you're a player that's had a ton of experience, you should be able to deal with situations like that. Um, yeah, he just looked a little bit off, a little bit flat, and maybe the preparation during the week had it, uh, affected that, Kempi. Would you allow someone... To come back for a win? No, 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 you definitely wouldn't have. Hell oh, no. Oh, no. Not when you're fighting. Not when you're fighting. Not when you're fighting for your life and your and your marquee seven. Yeah. Um. After you've lost, you know, Nicarima during the week to South Sydney and CHD out with a ruptured testicle. You know what I mean? Like, there's so many. There are so yeah. many variables, and and that was a fantastic text. What a what a pickup. Of course, that showed in the end. It showed in his game, and I'm pretty sure. You know, one thing that I, I really want to know um, is is how come they haven't named him. You know what I mean? Mm. Like Brownie in the in the after match talked about that that right edge, but he didn't name him. So is he feeling 
um, really vulnerable at the moment? That's probably a question that needs to be asked. And if he is, how are they going to get him to perform? Mm. Oh, yeah, it's uh, look. I don't know. Like it's it's a situation of I've been in both. I've been in that situation when I've let the team down and I've uh, performed poorly, and and you know I already know that. And when you got a coach that comes out, it just sinks you even more. So look, from experience, if I'm going to be in SJ, he probably knows that, and he doesn't want to be out at and you know hung out to to drive. But then you got to take some accountability. Look. It's a, it's a difficult situation, and um, he knows he's played poor. We all know. We've spoke about it all morning, and that is probably his poorest game. You sent an article to our WhatsApp group, and yeah, that is his, his worst performance ever in the NRL jersey. He had a axing, at the bottom it says axing, waiting. You know, like, so everyone knows that, and that was his poorest performance, and yeah, it showed out there. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 21 91.